Welcome to May I Hold Your Hand. I'm Nurse Tosh and I'm going to take great care of you today. Safe space is where we can have open and honest conversations about some of the challenges of motherhood. While becoming a parent can be exhilarating, awe-inspiring, joyful, and healing, there are also times where you may say to yourself, why didn't anyone tell me about this part? It's my goal to nurture an environment that encourages vulnerability, where we can all feel safe as we give voice to every aspect of our journey with the goal of presenting a more realistic and dynamic view of motherhood. I hope you enjoyed listening to these candid conversations as much as we enjoyed having them. Be forewarned that some of these topics may be triggering and may contain adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to May I Hold Your Hand. This is a new segment called Safe Space, and we're going to talk about things, um, all things motherhood and different topics where this will be a safe space where we can have open and honest conversation about whatever that topic is going to be. So I'm Nurse Tosh, and joining me today is Erica, and we will get to introductions in just a minute, and my bestie, Ryan. Um, both of these mothers have given their time, which I know is uh, slim. It is not a lot of time. Um, so they're donating their time to me to have a chat about twins and what it's like to be a mother of multiples. So um, either of you can go first if you want to tell a little bit about yourself, who you are, whatever you want to share. Um, the floor is open. There you go. <laughs> Okay, I am Erica. Um, I can't. I am a mom of four girl twins. Um, they are almost eight months old. Um, I serve in the birth world um, as an OB resident and also as a doula. Um, yeah, my twins are my first pregnancy, first birth, first everything, first real life shock, <laughs> all the things. Um, yeah, so I'm just here to, to be a part of the conversation. Yes, thank you, Erica. And I can tell you how Erica and I met. Yes. Um, so, so Erica um, does doula work and I do some doula work too. So in Atlanta, I was trying to create a doula village so that I could have more women to pull on as resources um, and especially to provide care and services that I might might not provide and um, to have that exchange happen, right? So um, some doulas don't do childbirth education, I do. And so to be able to have a network of um, services that support our community is what I was trying to build. And so I found Erica on Instagram and I love her uh, social media presence. And I was just like, oh, I love her. And then I looked at her uh, website and it's like all gifts which gifts are my love language. If anyone knows me, like I speak in gifts, <laughs> like it heightened my ability to, co to communicate um, exponentially. Um, but then when I was pregnant with my son, I did a, a pregnancy reveal around Halloween or on Halloween, I was misconception. 
And I happened to work that night and Erica followed me too on social media. So I worked at a hospital PRN and she was the doula for one of my patients. And so we each had this kind of moment. I had on a mask. This was during the pandemic. But she goes like, I know you because I had on the sash and I can't remember if I had on the little tiara too. And she's like, I know you, you know me, you know, it's just like, yes, like you just made a post or something today on social media. Like, I know you. And I was just like, and I looked at her and I was like, I know you too. I was like, your website has gifts. Like you, you look at friend in my head. Um, And so that is how Erica and I came to meet one another in person and um, me just admiring her journey with her um, doula service that she's done, but also going into being an OB. And I think she and I will talk about this later, but I love to see a community um, that makes the patient the center. And for me, um, having a doula who's not going to be combative, who um, is going to be a great compliment to the staff and also the nursing team. Um, and the medical team understanding the role that that doula has in providing a safe space and environment for the patient. And that that person is there to do things that me as a bedside nurse could not do. I didn't have the time. Um, I just really did value her presence. Um, And she supported that patient. I remember that patient, (laughs) you know, and she and I kind of talked later, like, how did everything go? Because I wasn't there um, for that that baby's birth. But um, and then going through your own journey of motherhood. So we've still kind of been connected and, and we'll talk about that later. Um, Ryan, who are you? <laughs> I am somebody. <laughs> um, I'm Ryan. I am also a registered nurse. Um, first, I'm a mother. Um, and I was actually a mother before I was a nurse. So I have... An almost 18-year-old daughter. Um, and then I have a set of twins, and they are also girls, and they will be 14 here in the next month or so. Um, what am I supposed to, what else am I supposed to be saying? Whatever you wanted to share about who you are, how we got here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, that's it. <laughs> okay. I'm a mom and a nurse. Um, I am um a leader in my community in the birth of the birth workspace. Um, I am not a doula. I am, I work like I've only in as a nurse, I've only ever done like um, mother, baby, maternal child health. So I've worked labor and delivery. I've done some community health nursing. Um, and I'm also a lactation consultant. I guess I can't forget that. That's kind of important. I wasn't going to let you, I was going to say, I was going to IBCLC. Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah, yes. uh, aspiring midwife. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's some yes. things. There's some things. Yeah. Um. So your heart obviously lies with the community. Um. And yours too, Erica. I think maybe that's why you know uh, like minds and spirits come together in this way. Um. So share with me what it was like for you getting the diagnosis that you were pregnant with twins. A diagnosis. <laughs> Is it a diagnosis? What's the word? The news? The, I don't know. I guess yes. the, the, the gestation, like if they, they say multi-fetal gestation. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the proper term is. Help me. Humor me. I don't know. 
the, the wild that? ride. <laughs> <laughs> what'd she say? What'd you say? The wild ride. <laughs> oh man, wild it is. When they put the ultrasound on your belly and said there's two, what was your response? My honest response or mm-hmm. my okay. Safe space. So I wasn't paying attention to the monitors, right? But I heard this extra like heartbeat. And I my first reaction was like, oh Lord, the baby got a heart issue, Jesus. We we going into this <laughs> wow. And then I looked up and I was like, is that two? She said, yes. And I was like, why are you really doing it? I said, like, but I'm going to teach you how to do a heart reset on this monitor, though. And you got to unplug it and then you got to turn it off. And she really did it. And she turned it back on. I was like, damn, they're still there. Like, they, they said, you're like, yeah, they're not going anywhere. They're still there. And um, it was it was very much a shocker for me. I was eight weeks in one day. Um. I found out on April Fool's. <laughs> so, <laughs> I found out on April Fool's Day. Um, let's say I was eight weeks in one day. I had my suspicions that I was pregnant, but I wasn't really... I I was just out here living life. <laughs> I was. Um, I was just like, yeah, maybe. I'm going to take this pregnancy test at home. Just, you know, we've been wild a little bit. But no, we've been wilding a little bit. <laughs> we've been wilding a little bit. But um it Y'all was a shock it. for me. <laughs> wilding. I mean, I got played. I got set up. I got set up. Um it's those it ovaries that we're doing the most. Listen, too much. Too much. Okay. Um, but I was I was shocked. I was nervous. I was afraid. So it was it was then almost immediately that I was on the opposite side of the work that I do mm-hmm. of figuring out like normally I'm the person who can soothe other people's anxieties right but now here I am with my own with the exact same anxieties that they have and it's like first of all who is soothing me mm-hmm. who's gonna calm me and let me uh, remind me that this is gonna be okay that you know there are options that there's this and I was just like okay, what do I do? And I'm generally a, a take things in stride kind of person. And I was like, I can't take this in stride. I don't know how to how to get this into my rhythm, into my routine. Um, it was just a wild ride. It took me a while to actually, I won't say accept the pregnancy, but wrap my head around the fact that when I was pregnant, also at the fact that we weren't trying to start actively trying until like, 2024 2025 and then here we are in 2022 very much pregnant so it's just like I have to wrap my head around that that we're ahead of schedule that there's not just one baby here there's two and then I'm a plus size mom I'm a plus size black mom carrying multiples like I'm coming in hot (laughs) all all these you know statistics that odds are stacked against me right now um so it took me a while, honestly, to wrap my head around it. I was honestly maybe 20 weeks before I really started sharing with people that I was pregnant. Um, just because that there was fear there. There was concern there. It's like, 
what if and I don't need people getting excited because mm-hmm. if you know if there's anything that goes wrong or anything that happens like let me deal with this privately let me deal with this quietly um yeah it was just it was wild mm-hmm. it was wild having all that go through your mind in that moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah what about you Ryan so I had just scheduled like a, like you, I had taken a pregnancy test at home first. Um, And then I scheduled an appointment with my OB and I was maybe 10 weeks or so along. And it was just a regular appointment. I don't even know if she did doc tones at that appointment, but she went to do like a bimanual exam. And so when she did that, she said that I was measuring a little bit big, like four weeks ahead. So at that time, I was measuring like I was maybe like 14 weeks pregnant. And at the time, I was 25 when I um, when I delivered the twins. So that means I was 24 when I was, you know, going through this process. And so I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Right. And I know I had known that sometimes when you are having your second baby, you can sometimes measure, you know, like maybe two weeks ahead of schedule just because your uterus is already kind of stretched out. And so you've got a little room in there, a little more you know, room for the baby. So I'm asking her, um, what does that mean? And my OB intentionally was a black woman. OK, and so she's like super laid back, the environment, super laid back and relaxed. And she's like, um, I don't know, there might be two of them in there. And I'm like, so casually, hold on. Like, yeah, she was like, I don't know, it might be two men there. Like, (laughs) and so I'm like, are you serious? Because obviously, like most people, when you find out that you're pregnant, the very last thought on your mind is that you may be having multiples. You're not thinking that I have two or three babies in my in my womb. And so I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, I mean, yeah, possible, you know. So she scheduled me for an ultrasound appointment to see what was going on. And so then the ultrasound appointment was maybe a week or two later. So we go into the ultrasound appointment. And um, as soon as the ultrasound technician, I had a transvaginal ultrasound because I was so early in pregnancy. And so as soon as she stuck the probe into my vagina, immediately I saw the two sacs and the two little, like the the two eggs, you know, egg, the yolk sac, that was called. Yes, I saw I saw my two bags of water and I saw my two little yolk sacks. So two babies and like, right, I immediately I looked over as soon as they got to the place where you could like visualize what was happening inside my uterus. I'm looking this way. The monitor's over here and I saw and I just turned this way (laughs) because I knew. Right. But I but I can't diagnose myself. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, whatever. And then she's like, oh, and I'm like, do y'all see this? Royal was with me and my children's father was with me. I'm like, y'all see this? They're on this side sitting down in the chairs, you know, watching the show. And she's telling us that we're having twins. And that's, you know, she sees the two yolk sacks and, you know, whatever, the two babies. And so I'm just really in a state of shock. And my daughter at the time is three. And so she's like not even sure what's going on. And my children's father is like over the moon. He's like excited. He's like, he's excited. And I'm just like in a state of shock. So my initial feelings were, even though my doctor had told me a week or so prior that it was a possibility 
Mm -hmm. I still hadn't bought into the idea. I hadn't leaned into it as like a thing that could really be true. So I can recall like finishing up that visit. And of course she took her little measurements and whatever things that she had to do, finishing that visit up. And then we were walking toward the elevator, like left out of the office and we're walking toward the elevator. And I'm just, I was in a state of shock. I don't recall having any feelings except for just shock just pure shock. And I remember telling my mother that they saw two babies. Of course, they print you out, you know, your little photos or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember swearing her to secrecy and not wanting her to tell anybody. And what I know now to be true is that um, I had a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. One, about being pregnant again, right? I'm 24, having my second baby. And now I'm having two more babies. So I'm going to be a mom of three at 25. I had a lot of shame. And I think that there is, a, a, the shame didn't come from like deep inside of me because I always knew I wanted to be a mother. And I actually enjoyed parenting my oldest daughter. I enjoyed being a mother to her. Um, but there's a lot of, having babies is not something that's very much celebrated in the black community. Mm -hmm. It's not something that people typically tell you congratulations about when you tell them that you're pregnant or you're having another baby. Um, a lot of times people correlate um, having babies to like struggle or um, not being able to reach your goals or poverty sometimes even. And while sometimes those things do go together, correlation isn't causation, right? Mm -hmm. Just because those things sometimes run together doesn't mean that they, that, that having children caused those things. And so I had a lot of shame. I didn't want to tell anybody. I felt like I was letting people down. I felt like I was letting myself down. I felt like um, all those things. I had all of those, any any feeling or any thought or idea that I could attach shame to, I felt it. And again, it wasn't necessarily my own. It came, it was extrinsic. It wasn't like from inside of me. And so I had to work through that. Um before I started to like feel comfortable telling, telling people that I was pregnant with twins. So those are probably the two, the shock and then the shame are probably mm -hmm. the two feelings that stand out in my mind that I felt initially when I found out I was pregnant with twins. Interesting. Beyond, but true, you know, I can see it. Um, I think once people get past that, then like this, that's the second emotion of celebration. You know what I'm saying? But very much so the first one is like a pause because you never really know even how um, the person who's pregnant is processing it. You don't want to be like, oh, and they're like, oh, hell no. Right. And, you know, I make it a point whenever somebody tells me that they're pregnant in general to say before I before I express a feeling or emotion even if I have some to say how do we feel about that mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because I don't know if we about to make plans to go to the clinic or we need to find some black OBGYNs or midwives right like I don't know what your thoughts are behind it so I want to figure out what what do you feel mm -hmm. and then we can talk about what I feel or you know a, con a congratulatory congratulatory response so mm -hmm. yeah. I agree with you yeah yeah so what are some common risks um, that accompany a multiples pregnancy? <laughs> preterm labor. Right. Of course, preterm labor. 
um, uh, Gestational Birth ladies, yeah, gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, yeah. of course, birth weight is always, you know, a concern, um, especially the difference between, you know, monodiet, diet, twins, and, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's you want to talk to what that is? Say again. You want to speak to what that is? What is Um, it when you so, have a mono, mono die, die, mono die twin yeah, pregnancy? so, basically determining if there's, you know, one placenta, one sac. So mono means one, di means two. Um that there's always the there's risk with it, you know, with pregnancy, labor, birth anyway. But, you know, sometimes the birth weight is always a a concern when you have, you know, a set of twins, usually identical twins or sometimes fraternal twins, um, you know, sharing a sac or having two separate sacs or sharing a placenta or, you know, that There's one twin is always going to beat the other one out for nutrients and everything. And then you've got another one that's literally fighting for their life. So there's all types of concerns. I, do we have enough time for that to dive into all <laughs> that? well <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, yeah there's so many things that are concerned, you know, on the medical side, but then just the, the personal concern, too. mm -hmm. and so we talked about the different types of twin pregnancies you can have and you also mentioned identical and fraternal so I like to try to um Uh, define a lot of these terms or keep it in a very uh, understandable language for anyone who can consume it. So um, we already explained mono die and what that might mean and identical and fraternal. Identical twins is a twin pregnancy that happened from one fertilized egg that's split. Um, and then fraternal is two separate eggs that <laughs> got fertilized. So um, Erica, you already said you have girl boy twins. So obviously they're fraternal. They're not one egg that split. Uh, Ryan, what about your babies? There's a little bit of a delay. Ryan, do you? Yeah, no, I was my mine froze up a little bit. Um, my twins are uh, also fraternal, Okay. so um, that's why I said my ovaries was out here cutting up too. So <laughs> they were out here releasing more than one egg at a time. Okay, it was party time for them. So yeah, Yes. <laughs> They'd be like, ooh, ooh. So do either <laughs> yeah. of you have twins in your family? Was there any sort of indication? Because I think there's some a belief that if you have twins in your family, then you might be more apt to have twins. And or people talk about like, oh, it skips a generation. And so it might be. So for me, um, I twins actually do run in my family. Um, of course, <laughs> you know, sometimes black people, we can only go back a certain couple generations <laughs> because our lineage was kind of stolen from us. Um, but um, my grandmother is the furthest back that I know of that had a twin pregnancy. She actually had a couple twin pregnancies that she lost. Um, she miscarried. And then my aunt... So didn't skip a generation, got pregnant with twins and actually lost one of the babies. And so, of course, my brain always wonders if maybe they were like discordant twins, like you were talking about, Erica, where one baby, maybe they shared a placenta and one baby was sucking up all the nutrients. And then so she, you know, subsequently lost the other twin because maybe it was fighting for his life. Like you said, it maybe lost the battle. I'm not sure what happened with that. Um, but so my cousin actually is a twin. Um, but the other twin didn't survive. And then I got pregnant with twins. Um, so 
they do run in my family. And so I, what I've learned just because I'm a twin mother through my research is that um, fraternal twins typically can be hereditary or genetic on your maternal side, right? Because mm -hmm. the way your ovaries work is going to mm -hmm. come, it's going to be a maternal influence for that. And then identical twins can actually come from the mother or the father, typically depending on, you know, just the way your genetics work in terms of if your eggs are susceptible to splitting or if your sperm are like, yes, let's go in there and split it. <laughs> they're real viral. <laughs> yes, they were. Yes. You like that word? Oh, so it is hereditary for me um, on my mother's side. Yeah. For me, it's actually on my father's side. Okay. Um. However, <laughs> my <laughs> so my husband was born a twin. Um, he had a twin sister that did not survive. His mother is an identical twin. His father is an yeah. identical twin. Yeah, you. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, wait. So your husband, was he also an identical twin? No, he's a fraternal twin. He's a fraternal twin, but both of his parents are identical twins. Are identical twins, yeah. Oh, wow. And so I'm not sure <laughs> on your side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, your future is looking real. Yeah, I, I'm telling y'all, yeah. I got set up. I got played. I got <laughs> played. And, but you know what's wild? Do you know what's wild? Even with planning to conceive, I never just like plan for twins, like wrap my head around the fact that this would be twins. I was just like prepared for a singleton. Mm -hmm. Wow. I yeah. think that's the way all of our brains are set up because that's normative thinking. Most yeah. people just have one baby. So yeah. mm -hmm. I was just about to say, it's crazy. The cognitive dissonance that a lot of us can do. <laughs> like, that we can be in the thick of a thing. You can't see the forest for the trees. Like you're, you're in it and you're blindsided by it. How? Mm -hmm. But yeah. That's well, I will I say I didn't even know the history, my family history of twins until I was pregnant and delivered my twins. It wasn't until I actually delivered my twins that my aunt revealed that she had actually lost a twin and that my grandmother disclosed that she had lost, I think, two sets of twins she lost. Hmm. Um, Cause you know, we also like to keep secrets in our families too. So yeah. a lot of times um, things are not openly shared and discussed. So it wasn't until I actually had the first live set of twins in our in our lineage that people were like, you know, it was celebrated, of course, because I was the one who was able to successfully deliver, you know, a, a live set of twins. But before that, I had no knowledge that they even ran that they even ran in my family. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Ryan, this question is for you. What are the differences that you notice between nurturing one baby? and a set of twins aside from the demand or including it <laughs> including yeah it, so that part of it I mean I know that your level of references it may be different for Ryan from Ryan yeah. but um you can speak to it too mm -hmm. uh, I mean obviously having the one baby I was able to just completely engulf myself 
into her. Like I, she was like my whole entire world because it was just she and I. It was just me and her, whichever one is correct. <laughs> my my grammar brain is not thinking right now. Um, but it was just the two of us. Um, and so I didn't have to consider like taking care of another child or not, any of those things. So when she needed to eat, I could feed her. When she needed a diaper, I could change her. If we wanted to lay down, take a nap together, I only had to worry about her, you know, snuggling up and, and taking a nap. And so those things were... Um, honestly, I felt like, you know, all the, all the horror, of course, this is another thing in the black community that we do, um, is, you know, um, fear, fear tactics. When you tell somebody that you're pregnant, they tell you that you, oh, you never going to sleep again or get ready for all the terrible things, you know, from labor to, you know, being pregnant in the summertime, whatever they think was terrible for their experience, they will shove that down your throat. And so I actually, to my dismay, found motherhood not to be as terrible as people said that it was going to be, um, you know, with when I had my singleton pregnancy. So then fast forward to finding out that I'm pregnant with twins, of course, that was my lived experience. And so that's my baseline. That's what I'm, you know, going off of. Uh, my oldest daughter slept well. She was sleeping. Like, you know, she breastfed well. I didn't have any challenges really with her at all. And so then having these twins and my twins were born, they were what we call late preterm. So they weren't like super duper preterm. They were born at 36 weeks and six days. So they were almost 37 weeks. Um, but Late preterm babies actually um, can be just, I ain't going to say just as high risk because their survival rate is higher than like a micro premier baby who's born really, really early, but they are likely to slip through the cracks because mm -hmm. they're usually born kind of juicy and plump. And so sometimes we don't pay as much attention to them and we don't give them as much care. We treat them like they're a normal baby right? A normal term baby who was born on time. And so sometimes they can slip through the cracks. And my late preterm babies were classic late pretermers. So anything that we typically expect of late preterm babies, they had. So they had jaundice and they struggled. Um, well, my baby, my baby B struggled with latching and like gaining weight initially. Um, and so they were just clap. They they had all the things, and so just that, just initially out the gate, the breastfeeding was more challenging because I was intent on breastfeeding them both at the same time, doing the tandem tandem nursing, and so that was a huge learning curve from breastfeeding just one baby. I was super concerned about my supply, if I would be able to meet their demand and meet their need. Um, and so that was a concern for me that I didn't have with my, with my first baby. Um, and then getting through Billy lights. Cause that's, like I said, they had jaundice. So doing the whole Billy blanket and the Billy lights. And thankfully my twins did not have to spend any time in the NICU. I know I'm blessed as a twin mom to be able to say that they didn't spend any time in the NICU. Um, but we did have to, you know, come back to the hospital to get their little heels pricked to check, you know, to test their jaundice levels and, um, all those things. So that was totally different than my first experience. I left home. They was like, peace out, girl, you good. <laughs> to get your first visit. Um, and so then obviously the demand of keeping up with their feeding schedules. Um, I was probably like super neurotic. I fed them at the same time. If one of them woke up hungry, I would wake the other baby up. And that goes against everything Black people will tell you about letting a baby sleep. <laughs> But it was important for me to get it done. So I'm changing two diapers. I'm feeding two babies. And then we can all rest mm -hmm. is kind of how I felt. 
Um, so breastfeeding, though, was probably the easiest job I did for the twins. It was the de demand of everything else. The twice you have twice as much laundry you have to hold and cuddle and snuggle two babies instead of one. And when they're small, you can kind of get your skin to skin done at the same time. But as they grow um, and then I had these you know, the, the, the mom guilt or like the negative self-talk that was going in my brain about how I spent one-on-one -on -one time with my oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. And so then I need to sometimes like, let me put one baby down and just like, let me just breastfeed this one baby so that we can have some, you know, one-on-one -on -one time. And like, I can bond with this baby and like really focus on the way her little curls lay and like get to know her as an individual as instead of them being the twins, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had all those things going on in my head too. Um, no, you know, you're not getting any sleep. Um, I think I slept relatively well with a singleton for having a newborn, you know, or having, having an infant, the twins, I, I'm a hundred percent sure that that contributed to me having postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's just the lack of sleep and even having a decent support system it's, I'm still the mom. So even if somebody else wakes up with them and changes their diaper, I'm waking up too. Like I'm, cause I, that's just, I feel like as a mother, sometimes it's just the way that we do. And not like I didn't think anybody could do it. I was, I, I heard the baby cry. <laughs> so I'm waking up too. You know, I can't lay here for another 15 minutes or whatever. Like I'm just up. So those are the, I think, especially in the early infant years or year <laughs> months that I feel like were the, the, the biggest differences for me. Uh, it was just so much more demanding to the point where sometimes I think about it, I could cry right now. I don't know. I did my very best to enjoy it mm. in the same way that I enjoyed mothering my oldest daughter. But I, I don't know that I did because I was it was so much work. It was so much work. I was so exhausted. I tried to be present, like I said, and spend that one on one time and have moments where I could like enjoy. But I don't know that I enjoyed it the same. And so sometimes that is some mom guilt that I have, too. Because, but I'm clear now that it was what it was. <laughs> and I was just trying to make it and keep two babies alive and still not lose my oldest daughter in the process too. Like I forgot all about that. That was also important for her to not feel like she was being cast aside and like she didn't matter anymore. I still was so important, you know, for me to make, to include her in this process um, because twins get so much attention. Um, you know, even babies. when we, we would be out. And two babies? Yes. We would be out and people would be like, oh my God, twins. And they would want to talk about the twins. And so I'd have to, I'd have to call her in and be like, and this is my oldest daughter. This is her name. And she's four. And so that she didn't feel like she would like, everybody was just all about the twins. And she was just, you know, chopped liver. That was also a challenge because they, because the demand was so great for them um, that, you know, she was four. She could play and be quiet and chill. So it was like being intentional about making sure that I was, not ignoring her, not forgetting about her as a little person and making sure I was including her, making sure she was cool. Where does the intentionality come from? Is it intrinsic to even think about all these little nuances, all of these different things? Does it come packaged with the uterus and ovaries or is it in 
the nurturance of your environment? Where does it come from? I dare say both. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, regardless of, you know, where you are in life, you, nobody likes to feel left out of anything. Mm -hmm. Even if, you know, people's claim to fame is, oh, I'm such an introvert, but it's like, you still want to be invited to the party, even if you don't right. show up, you know? Well, I'm not coming, so, invite me. Right. <laughs> so I think it does just, it just, it's like a switch, you know, that just kind of comes on, I guess. Um, but you just never, you never want anybody to feel left out. Like, I don't have the experience of having a single time first. Um, so I understand exactly what Ryan is saying. It's like you, you want to spend time with just this one-on-one -on -one time with just one twin, as opposed to just always making them a package deal. Um, it just, it just happens that way. You, you are intentional about it. You are conscious of it because you, you don't want it to be said. I don't know, Ryan, if you have siblings, um, but I'm the baby. I'm the only girl. So my there's a big age gap between my brothers and I they're 13 and like 10 and a half years older than me mm -hmm. so though there wasn't I, I can't speak to me feeling like oh you know my mama and her boys and my daddy and the boys you know get all the attention I never felt that because when I came into the world all eyes were on me especially because they were two years apart and then there's this little sister here now so I can't say that I felt that void, but even now as an adult, having two older brothers, I'm intentional. Well, one who's passed away now, but I was intentional about making sure that I had, you know, I fostered a different relationship with my siblings because they're not the same. Mm -hmm. Our relationship isn't going to be the same. So I think you just kind of, it just happens. I think it's an individual thing. Like it's just a youth thing, you know? So. Mm -hmm. I think that it the intentionality comes when you have made up your mind to be a good mother, to be a good parent. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's where it comes from. And, and some of that could be because of the way parenting was modeled for you. And also it could also be the way my parenting wasn't modeled for you, right? It could come from both of those. It could, both of those things could inform your decision to be a good parent. But I mean, I have certainly seen, and I'm sure y'all have too, parents that don't have that level of intentionality, right? That don't <laughs> yeah. have, they, they don't think the way that way. So I would venture to say that it doesn't, it's not laced in, in woven in the fabric of our, of our wombs. <laughs> mm -hmm. but I think you have to, it's, it's a, it's a mind game because a lot mm -hmm. of it is mind over matter. A lot of that intentionality is like, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. right? Even if it's to my own detriment, a lot of times, sometimes as mothers, we are, in, we, it's important to us to be a good mm -hmm. mother. It's important to us to have relationships that are healthy with our children. Um, and so I think, for me, that's where the intentionality came from. It was my determination to, to be a good parent, to, to be a good mother and to not have my children feeling like, well, you did this for this one and you didn't do that for me. That's what that mom guilt is, right? So me wanting to spend individual time with my children was because I knew that Royal could, <laughs> could always grow up and be like, um, 
I was the only baby, right? And I never, like you said, Erica, I never want my the, the twins to feel like they are a package deal. Mm -hmm. I never let people call them the twins. They're not. Yeah. I never wanted their high chairs to be interchangeable. No, this is your chair. This is your chair. I never wanted their cars. All those things were super important to me so that even though they are twins, they don't have to be the twins. They still get to be individual people with their own individual personalities and likes and dislikes or whatever. Y'all can like the same things, but you're still your own person. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, yeah. And so I feel like what informed that decision for me was mostly just my desire to, to, to be a good mother, to, to mm -hmm. be a good mother. Huh, that's a good conversation. <laughs> that is making me think of other topics, of course, that we can come back <laughs> Um, but I mean, I don't have multiples. I have two children, but I do find like the intentionality. There's a really, uh, important balance to strike between intention and, uh, being the anxious mom. And that is my challenge. Like why, while I want all of these things and I want, you know, I don't want the perfection to be so loud in my mind that I can't relax enough to stay in the moment and enjoy. If you guys can see this necklace, this is something that I wear um, and it speaks to my anxiety. And this is to model ocean waves. And this reminds me to go with the waves um, because life be life and like life never lived before. <laughs> and so I need this, um, just this little weight around my neck to keep me in a space of intentionality, but also go with the waves because it's very easy to get into that, like that angst, white knuckling, because you, you know, no, no mother, no parent really, but no mother specifically, don't nobody want to fuck up their kids. Boy, that's always the thing in your mind. That is always the thing. Okay, so just a pin right here, which I think will help everybody who's listening, y'all, everybody. It helps me to even just say it again. So I was at work and we were talking about, I don't know, like abuse and like parental abuse to their children, neglect, whatever. And one of my coworkers said to me, you know, I was looking, I was reading a study and the, the study said that parents only have to get it right 30% of the time for your children to have a secure attachment style. 30% of the time. That's one in three, right? That's like, I mean, that. I hope that takes some weight off. It takes a ton of weight off of me because 30%? Yeah, that's all the that's all you that's the only amount of time that you have to get it right. Right. Mm -hmm. For your children to have a secure attachment style. And so I think hopefully that can release some anxiety for us mm -hmm. as parents, especially as moms. Hopefully that can help us to set our cake down sometime mm -hmm. and for us to not do things and be intentional to our own detriment, because 30 percent. It's like that bar is really low, right? Oh, and so yeah. it also says that people who have children that don't have a secure attachment style, they were you almost gotta try to fuck the kids up to really fuck them up, right? You almost gotta try for them to be fucked up because 30% is not that much. I mean, most of us do 30% of stuff right in our lives. Most people do, right. unless again, unless you're trying to not. <laughs> Right. So I know that when I when I heard that, I was like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I spent most of my life thinking about that, too. 
Yes, I actually thought you were going to say a bigger number because I right. heard something similar, uh, good enough parenting that you would have right. to get it right 50% of the time. And that like, it was like releasing steam, like that let me um, relax a whole lot more into, you know, uh, parenthood, motherhood. And also I'll say this, and just with my own relationship with my parents and watching other people, um, I think that as moms, we we know this, but we don't realize that no matter how you show up, whether it's the 100%, 30 or one, um, you're always going to own a piece of real estate and the people who you helped bring to this side of the world. Yeah. And I think um, no matter how you show up, like the hunger for your mother to be present, active in your life will always be there. It'll never go away. This is how it was designed. And so for me, I move with that in mind. You know what I'm saying? When nurturing my kids and I don't want to exploit that because I feel like that's what we end up seeing. You know, is your mother, you only get one. That is correct. Also, I'm one of one, the only one. I'm number one. <laughs> you know, number what I'm one. <laughs> I was not not gonna finish that Beyonce lyric. <laughs> I mean, what did what you think? But, I, I, I kind of feel like a lot of the anxiety comes too because it's 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 cool and it's cute to have this idea of the type of parent that you will be, mm-hmm. and then you look up and boom, and like, oh wait, I actually got to do this shit. Mm-hmm. I actually have to, you know, implement, you know. <laughs> But the ideals that I said, I said I wasn't going to do this when I have kids. And so that's like, but bruh, <laughs> you're looking at me like, and I really want to chin check you right now. But, and and though though my twins are, you know, they're eight months, so they're not, they're mobile, but not super mobile. I'm, I can only, I can reference my parenting to being an aunt, right? So I have three nieces that are 20, 13, and 12. Pray for me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because and I just think of them in all these different stages, and now it's like there's a 13 and a 12 year old. I just look at them like 13 and 12 was not like this when I was 13 and 12, and it's like there's the there's the attitudes and there's the the opinions and the this and the that, and it's like it's, you're fine to have an opinion, but also it's like you have this idea of of what type of parent that you'll be. And then it's like, okay, during that infancy stage, you know, you're guiding, but then it's, they hit that toddler stage and it's, it's like, okay, now I have to, to shape and develop and, and build your sense of right and wrong and, you know, your moral compass and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, I, I think that kind of builds upon the anxiety that's already there. And it just, it just makes for a real roller coaster of a situation. That's mm-hmm. just golly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It definitely puts you in a space of uh, extreme emotional regulation and learning that and trying to model that. But also, and Ryan and I have talked about this raising free Black children is triggering. Is triggering on so many levels that you don't even realize until you're in the thick of it. 
Yeah. That you're like, okay, if it is my intention, like we are all free people, but I'm going to intentionally raise my children as free black children. That means that they will have freedoms that I did not. And so simultaneously, I'll have to parent myself and them in those moments where I'm like, you what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you're teaching them to challenge the world. And and that means they are going to eventually challenge you. Yeah. And that the then nobody prepares you for that because we don't have even the lived experience that we did that to our parents. Most of us do not. And so, yes. And I also think that when our children are small, because fruit is the last thing on a tree to that the last thing a tree you know, provides is the fruit. And so our children, we do all this pouring, we do all this fertilizing, we do all this cultivating, we do all this watering, right? And they don't bear fruit for a while. Like they might bloom a little bit here and there. And so some of the anxiety is laced in that too. It's like, is this working? Like, (laughs) like I said, this is the kind of mother I wanted to be. And I like, I'm standing on it. I'm doubling down on it. But like, oh God, is it working? Like I ain't seen... Ooh, you don't see the fruit for so long. And so that also, there's also anxiety in that. And it makes you, again, here goes the questions and like, am I doing this right? And am I fucking them up? And all the things, like, even though I'm standing on what I said I wanted to be, baby, they don't produce fruit for a long time. Like I said, you might get a bloom here and there. (laughs) You don't don't get no actual (laughs) fruit for a minute. You be ready to cut the damn tree down. Like, hold up. Maybe I I do need to whoop some ass because this is not working. (laughs) (laughs) Abort plan. Conscious. And then it's just like, you know what? I just pray that I'm not responsible for your therapy bill as an adult. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'd be just like, you know, but well, it's just going to be an experiment. Okay. So whatever. It's a social experiment. If it don't work, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay the course. We're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think yeah. we can all look back and, and identify things that that didn't work for us as a kid. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. And it's a big fight um, to not resort to what we already know. It's a big mm-hmm. fight. And so hanging in the middle of, is this, is it working? Is this good? It, was it going to work? Like, that's a big um, line to toe while taking care of yourself, keeping two small people alive who literally their survival depends on you. That if you do not show up for them, Erica, they will perish. They will be no yes. more. Yes. Like that's a big thing. And then like, that's just the physicality of it. You're breathing. We're not even going right. to talk about if, if you're, a, if you have empathy, um, yeah. if, if you're a good have, human, if you have good <laughs> self-esteem, if you a bully or not, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Like yes. it's so, yes, it's very much so. And this conversation has gone kind of like away from the twin conversation. <laughs> mothering and well, just- I was actually just getting ready to bring in twins because I feel like those things are um an added challenge when you have twins because they're going, they are doing the same things at the same time. So, like, even if I were to have three children and they were three different ages. They will be going through three different things at different times. But because I have twins, 
yeah, sure. That maybe they're both going through puberty or they're both starting their period at the same time or whatever, but the way in which they navigate that space is totally different. And I have to know that about each of them and, and, and guide them through that process. You know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, my, like I said, they're, my twins are 13. They'll be 14 in um, a couple, in a couple weeks actually. And middle school was like hard, like that, those middle years are like, I think the toughest years because they are, they're not little kids, but they're not really teenagers and, you know, figuring out who you are and like all the hormones are going through puberty and like figure like that's hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. And I have two of them going through that at the same exact time. So trying to figure out what each of them need on an individual level and then trying to meet each of their needs. I can know and still trying to figure out how I, I can have the capacity to meet each of their needs at the same time while they're going through these same phases. Yeah. They might be in different stages in the process. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like an added challenge for me. Um, and then again, still trying to be intentional about not lumping them together and making them the twins. Like, oh, <laughs> like y'all started y'all period. Like, no. <laughs> You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like those yeah, started yours. Yeah. 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 Like it's that's an added challenge. I even think about when they were little and like their potty schedule when I was potty training them. They have different body function times. They didn't just go poop at the same time. So potty training even was like trying to, you know, being mindful of them as individuals. So all those things, um, it's just an added, an added challenge or an added. Yeah. job <laughs> so to speak have like even in the stage that I'm in it's, it's being intentional about you know small stuff about like they I don't know what happened the switch just turned on one day and they decided they were going to start tandem nursing and I was like okay you know this is what it is at first I had maybe like a 15 minute reprieve in between feeding the other mm-hmm. but then it was I just kind of wrapped my head around it and was like okay well once I'm done I'm done you know feed them up at both at the same time and so now they both have their own you know personalities like you shared space for a long time right and then it's like they they came out they were born and then they hated we just thought okay they're gonna be you know sleeping together together like same bassinet whatever no absolutely not hated co-sleeping all the things they do nothing together that little girl of mine is a daredevil (laughs) she's gonna try it and see how it goes and then she's gonna invite her brother for the bullshit (laughs) and he like oh is that what we doing okay right and he (laughs) follows and i'm like bro come on (laughs) but also i recognize and and maybe this isn't what it is, but maybe this is just like how I'm interpreting it. But she was born first. Mm-hmm. And so she's super protective of him. They're protective of each other, but she's super protective of him. And I kind of feel like that's why she tries things first. Mm-hmm. Not just because she's like bold and daring and dare I say sassy, but she is like, let, let me try it and see if I get hurt. And I'm like, you know not to try. You know not to do it. So she's super protective of him. But even just that, like that intentionality about making sure that you know you don't have to do anything together. It's okay to do things separately. Their names don't even rhyme. Mm-hmm. People were like, why didn't you do that? Because there's two different people 
they have two different personalities. It, I saw that from birth. They have two different personalities. The way they was, and but that twin telepathy though, let me tell you, it's real. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the way they be side eyeing people together, and then look at each other like, yeah, no, we ain't fooling with them. Like it's just. It, it's a beautiful thing to watch, but it also makes me just really conscious of making sure that I'm, I keep reminding them and showing them that it's okay to be two different people, that you don't have to be wrapped up in a package together. And mm-hmm. my husband and I were having a conversation about like once they're school age, it's like, so what do we do about classrooms? Like, do we keep them together? Do we separate them? Do we, because we already know that, you know, they do feed off of each other. But at what point do you you separate and let them grow individually? Mm-hmm. So. Well, um, I had one more question. I don't want to like belabor the point, as <laughs> the preachers might say. Well, maybe I had some more questions. The first thing was, um, if I known then what I know now, uh, what would you tell others who are going into having multiples, be it, you know, planned or unplanned multiples and then what don't people say that you would like to say to have normalized like what don't they say about this that they should I know that was a lot two two big questions if I knew then what I know now hmm I kind of feel like I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. So I can't quite say. But the stuff that I'm talking about is that the NICU is, it it ain't for the week. (laughs) You come out of there, a no-limit soldier. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My baby spent a week and a half, two weeks in the NICU. Um, And in preparation for labor, birth, just going through the pregnancy with multiples. Um, just speaking to like black maternal health in in and of itself is it's okay to advocate for yourself for you while you're carrying. But once these babies get here, you are their first advocate. So they probably would have been in NICU longer if I had not been their advocate and told them like, no, they're going to get breast milk. They're going to get this. They're going to do this. This is going to happen. But just, there's so much. (laughs) There's a lot. I can't just pick one singular thing. Um, But the biggest thing that was a little bit of a, a shocker for me is just how so many people think you're like this, this freak of nature when you don't have, um, you know, certain, you know, comorbidities, like, because mm-hmm. I am a plus size mom, mm-hmm. it was, oh, you don't have chronic hypertension. Oh, you don't have diabetes. And you didn't develop preeclampsia. You didn't develop gestational diabetes. So, okay, well, you're just an anomaly. Or maybe I'm just combating genetics. Maybe I am active. Maybe I do eat well. Maybe, maybe. Um, Don't assume stuff. That's the thing. Don't make assumptions. That that's it. Don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. 
I would say um, something I wish I'd known or what I know now that I wish I'd known then. Um, that is kind of bifold for me. One is that, <clears throat> excuse me, not to take advice from people when it comes to mothering my twins who don't have twins, because the advice of a parent who just has mothered one child, even if they had stair steps, is not the same as, as mothering right. twins. And to don't do it. Don't even offer advice to somebody who has twins, unless you are an educator and you consider yourself an expert on multiples. It's not beneficial because you don't know this twin life. <laughs> you live this twin life. Um, and then also, I wish I had known then that I was going to get through it. Because when you're in the thick of it, especially when they're little and they are needing everything all the time and completely dependent on you, the days are so long. Like it seems like you just are never going to get through it. The nights are short because you're not sleeping. Like all the things, like I wish I had known that I was going to actually get through it. Like I knew that, but I didn't really know that in a, in a real way. Um, and so I wish I'd known that. What I wish we talked more about in terms of having twins is... I wish we talked more about the pressure that having multiples puts on the strain that it puts on, on the family, on everybody, um, namely the, the parents. I wish we talked a little bit more about that um, because everybody thinks it's real cute to have twins. Like I hear people say like, oh, I hope I have twins. Like, I mean, it's great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I am grateful. I know that God um, specifically chose me. <laughs> Right. And Eric, I believe that's true to be true for you, too. Um, it ain't for the weak being a, a parent of twins, but it's not just cute. And to be completely honest, when you're in it, it don't even feel cute. Your babies might be cute. Right. But it don't feel cute taking care of two children at the same time. It doesn't feel cute um, for a long time. Like now I can look at them and be like, wow, that's so crazy. Like, I can't believe I like grew two babies and I breastfed two babies. Like now I can feel like that. But when you're going through it, it doesn't feel cute. It feels hard and it feels like I'm not going to make it. And then, you know, you wrap in other challenges that you may be going psychosocial things. You know, like I said, I, I mentioned earlier, I had postpartum depression. Um, it didn't feel cute. And so I think that I wish we talked a lot more about the challenges of having multiples so that we can talk more about the solutions about having multiples. Um, and I wish, I also wish that we as a community did not, although we can talk about challenges, I wish we didn't always share horror stories. Yeah. Um, and, and, and because that just breeds fear. So like there's a healthy way to talk about challenges right, of having children, especially if you're having multiples, there's a healthy way to prepare people for what they can expect, just like we do when they're having singletons. We talk about what to expect, but that's not, it's not fear written, right? Like, it's not like we're not scaring people and terrifying them. And so I wish we did less of that and more like health had had more healthy conversations about what we can expect. And, I, and what I understand is that that's going to take 
the likes of like me and Erica to lead those conversations because we actually have the lived experience. Yeah. uh, About what people can expect when they're having twins and like this platform. I mean, this is a perfect way to also do that. Lakasha. So I wish we did more of this. And we shall. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I just want to thank you both for sharing your experience and your stories and being open to even speak to me about this. I look forward to many more conversations. Um, I have a list of things <laughs> that, that I think we should be able to um, shed light on through motherhood and not in a way to deter people. But um, like I said earlier, I don't believe that you should be in something and still be blindsided by elements of it. Um, yes, everybody's motherhood experience and journey to parenthood is going to look different. But there are some things that like developmentally, like everybody goes through. And so why ain't nobody talking about it? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I feel. Um, And then, like you said, Ryan, I think it's important to present our stories um, in a context of this was my challenge. If that happened for you, how how are you preparing for that? Have you thought about this? What does that look like for you? Um, how how can you avoid this pitfall or whatever that I fell into that almost swallowed me whole? You know, for small people who I would give my life for, and um, many of us have been very close, especially as a black woman giving birth. Um, but also, we are whole people. We are first. We're people first. Yes. And so it's okay for us to be able to talk about what our experience was. But again, putting that into context as far as, you know, um, not not to be a fear monger, because my story doesn't mean that it's going to be so for you. So um, mm-hmm. any closing remarks from either of you? <laughs> Either of my twin moms, I have a set of twin brothers, by the way, um, <laughs> and the twin telepathy, yes, is a thing. <laughs> Any closing remarks? My closing remark is just um, to lean into the things that feel good, <clears throat> lean into the the things that feel good in terms of the way that you mother um, way that you parent, lean into those things because they feel good to you. They feel safe for you for a reason. And don't ask too many questions. Just lean into those things because they feel good for a reason. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think Erica, she, she froze a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She froze for a little bit. Let's give her just a moment to, okay. We hear you. Your video's not up just yet. And and to like piggyback off of um, what Erica was saying about being an advocate for your children, I will also say that you are the expert, right? You know your child, you know your babies, you know your family history. The doctor's not the expert, lactation's not the expert, your midwife's not the expert. They are the expert on science, on medicine, but you are the expert on you and on your baby. And so don't ever forget how powerful that is to be the expert. And so just like I'm saying, lean into what feels good, lean into you being the expert, like carry that, hold that because it's so important and so valuable when it comes to advocating 
and speaking up for what you know to be best for your for your family, for your life, for your children. Um, you are the expert. We are we work for y'all. OK, mm -hmm. doctors, midwives, whoever we work for the parent. Mm -hmm. Y'all hire us to do a job and you are in charge at the end of the day on what the care plan is, if they're in the NICU, on what your birth plan is, on what your breastfeeding plan is. You are running the show for real. So mm -hmm. don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about you, Erica? Um. Just like Ryan said, like you, you are the expert, and and to simply translate that meaning, nobody knows what you're feeling but you, right? Always trust your instincts. Only you're you're the only one that's going through what you're going through in that moment. So, you know, make sure you're making informed decisions. Um, that just doesn't mean that you're getting an option, and that's it. Um, make sure that you're asking questions that you know that explain all options, that present all options, that explain all options, the benefits, the risk, and all of those things. Um, you have the choice to, you have a, a, a means or the, a, a right to create your birth team, your care team, your, your support team, whatever that looks like. Um, and the, the goal is not to have people who can speak up for you to, to be big, bad wolf and, because you don't want to, but make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are going to teach you how to speak up for yourself because they're not going to always be in spaces with you. They're not going to be in your appointments with you. They're not going to be, you know, at pediatric appointments with you. Um, it's okay to use your voice. Don't be afraid to use your voice. I'm heavy on advocacy. I'm heavy on education. So utilize it. There are resources out here. Utilize them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's the perfect stopping point. Um, thank you both for joining me on Safe Space. Hopefully you felt that. And I look forward to talking to you more in the future. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh.